Oh man, ain't that the truth, right? Well, hey, listen, welcome to City First Church, and I want to just take a second and welcome everyone from City First Anywhere, Cape Coral, God Behind Bars, Dixon and Hardy, and the Pando app, and uh, everyone join us online right now, and we just say hello from the Spring Creek location, and you know what? Uh, let me start out by asking you a question. Um, what place, what place comes to mind when I say these words, all right? What place? Peaceful, rested, refreshed, relaxed, rejuvenated, focused, calm. What place comes to mind when I say those words? In fact, is it this place right here? Black Friday shopping? No? <laughs> How about this place right here? The DMV? <laughs> Or how about this one right here, the happiest place on earth, right? Those of you that have been parents and have gone to Disney, you know it is not a place of refreshment and calmness, right? They're having a lot of fun sometimes, but you as a parent, you are definitely not relaxed. Well, I want to show you the place that I think of when I hear these words. This is it right here. This is actually Hanalei Bay on the north side of Kauai, on the island of Kauai, um, in Hawaii. And I'll tell you that uh, it, it is an amazing place. It's remote, it, it's kind of beatnik. Like, I mean, people wear like flip-flops and like surfer shorts and t-shirts all day. Um, there are like seven natural waterfalls that surround this bay. It is literally a paradise. And years and years ago when I went there, um, I was completely at rest. In fact, I think of it often. I think like, what would it be like to be in Hanalei Bay right now? It was like, it was like I was totally disconnected, and I mean disconnected in a good way, all right? And, and I, I want to say I love you all. I mean, I love you all, but if someone were to give me the choice right now to be here or to be at Hanalei Bay, I, I think I'd be at Hanalei Bay right now, and, 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 and so would you. I mean, let's be honest, right? If I were like saying, hey, listen, first one up here gets a free airline ticket to Hanalei, uh, guess what? You'd be running up here, and, and, and I wouldn't be offended by that. I, I would be right there with you on the next flight. City first Hanalei. City first Hanalei. <laughs> well, here's the problem, though. The problem is, is whatever place came to mind, when I was re, you know, saying those words, um, even when I was talking about Hanalei Bay, it's not like you can just pick up right now and go to that place. Like I can't just leave and go to Hanalei, you can't either, right? And, and you know, we have to instead find our, our peace and our rest and our rejuvenation and our place of focus. We have to get super creative to do that in everyday life where we won't be interrupted. Where we won't be interrupted. And I would even say in the last maybe 15, 18, 20 months, it's even become more difficult. Remember when we were in shelter in place and like kids could not go to school so they were at home with us all day and yet we still had full-time jobs and we're doing them like from our living room kind of a thing? 
Remember that? Happiest place on earth. Remember that? Okay. All right. Um, during the pandemic, it was, it was like really hard. In fact, I remember I had a mom come up to me uh, and say that there were moments that she was trying to work her full-time job, and she had like two, two young kids. She would literally just turn on Disney Plus and put a bowl of potato chips in the middle of the living room to keep her kids preoccupied, and she would sneak away and go lock herself in her bedroom closet and have a small glass of rosé just to find peace and quiet. And I remember telling that, that person, I remember saying, you know, Jen, really, you shouldn't do that. I mean, no. <laughs> no, I was kidding. I actually did have a mom come up and tell me that, and I just, I looked at her and I go, you know, I mean, I get it. You know, I get it. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And, and this is the thing. It's because we are so accessible right now. There's interruptions. There's distractions. 24-7 accessibility. And a lot of it is because of this little culprit right here, right? It's like this thing will not leave us alone. It's the electronic leash, and, and it's like, it's always like buzzing or ringing or, or whatever there, sometimes tempting us to get connected when we shouldn't be. And, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's this like feature on there that isn't used a lot, but this feature is a do not disturb feature. Now, on every smartphone, it's a little bit different. Sometimes it's a button, sometimes it's a swipe or whatever. But really what it does is it keeps all unnecessary text messages and phone calls filtered out. And if someone really, really needs to get a hold of you, like they're you know, on your, your private list, like maybe they're a family member and they keep calling, it will let that person through eventually. So it's like emergencies only. But really, everything else is filtered out. And I believe this month, we can talk about this because my prayer is that you flip the do not disturb switch, not just on your phone, but in your life sometimes. And we need to develop what I'm calling a habit of strategic disconnection. A habit of strategic disconnection and do it often. Here's the reason why. Because the life God wants you to live, and can I also say the life that you want to live is on the other side of strategic disconnection. There are moments in our day that we need to literally like turn on the do not disturb switch and to turn that feature on in our life, you could say, because if we don't, we will find ourselves tired and depleted. In fact, this is what I've discovered in life. I can't be stressed and creative at the same time. And I cannot be hurried and rested. I cannot be exhausted and productive. I cannot be distracted and engaged. And most of all, I cannot be depleted and also growing. I just can't. The spiritual you needs disconnection. The emotional you needs disconnection. And I would even say the physical you needs moments of strategic disconnection. In fact, Jesus practiced strategic dis disconnection because his assignment was too important for him to burn out. You understand that? And in the same way, your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with your other people that you love, your family and friends and co-workers, and your God-given assignment is too important for you to burn out. To burn out on information overload, to burn out on mindless social media swiping, for you to burn out on constant interruption, for you to burn out on the soul-depleting distractions that are always there. 
In fact, I'm going to say this, and some of you are going to have to think about this, but really, when Jesus was here on earth, he was not always accessible. In fact, there were times that he practiced strategic disconnection. Now, now today, as, as Jesus is now in heaven, as he's ascended to heaven, yes, he's accessible 24-7. But when he was here, he was fully God and fully man, which means that the, the man part of him was human and created limitations, which means he was not always accessible, and neither should you be. Also, on top of that, he wasn't everywhere at once. Now he is. Now, now that he's in heaven, he's omnipresent, he's, he's here, he's there, he's everywhere. But guess what? When he was on earth, he had the human limitation, and guess what? He wasn't everywhere at once, and you shouldn't be either. Everywhere at once, because when you're everywhere, you're nowhere, right? The Bible says that Jesus practiced going to solitary places, one translation of the Bible says, and you should too, going to solitary places places. It was on purpose. So let's dive in. Let's, let's go way back in time. I'm talking way back in time when time actually began. Back in the book of Genesis, at the beginning of time, when God was creating the world, he was creating the earth, he was creating everything in the earth, there was no sin, there was no hurt, no pain, no fear, no sickness, no death. In other words, it was the way God designed it to be, not the way that we live it right now, but the way it was designed to be, and we can learn from this, because what he did is he took Adam and Eve, he put them in the middle of the garden, and he said, have dominion. In other words, be over this garden, this paradise full of beauty and fruit and food and animals and all of these things, right? So we go back, way back to the time when we as individuals, you could say, were in perfect relationship and communion with God. It says in Genesis chapter 2, it says, a river flowed from the land of Eden watering the garden, then dividing into four branches. The first branch, called Pishan, flowed around the entire land of Havilah where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stones are also found there. The second branch, called Gishan, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Asher. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. You sit there and go, well, this is a random verse. Why are you talking about this? There were four rivers in the paradise called Eden. Four rivers that watered the garden. Four rivers that provided nourishment, you could say, to the different trees and, and, and to the, 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 the fruit-bearing plants and things like that. And I just want to, before I go on, I want to ask this question. If your life is to be likened to a garden right now, if I were to liken your life to a garden, what's its condition? Is it flourishing? <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> is it flourishing? Is, it, is, it, is, is the garden of your soul dry? Is it producing fruit? Is it being nourished? You know, unfortunately, we know the end of the story where Adam and Eve sinned, and because of that, there's no more Eden. And so what we do realize, though, is that our souls still need to be watered, and our life still needs to bear fruit, and the garden of our hearts still need to thrive. But Eden is gone, but not all hope is lost. 
In fact, you know what? God has given us something better than Eden. You're like, really? Yes, Jesus. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said about himself in the book of John, chapter 7, verse 38, it's recorded, whoever believes in me, Jesus says, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. In other words, Jesus says, I am living water. In fact, in another passage, he says, if anybody takes this living water, they'll never thirst again. So therefore, we have something even better than Eden in this hopelessly broken world. His name is Jesus. He is our source of refreshment and life in the midst of this barren world. But, but, if we do not hit the do not disturb button on our life time and time again, we will find ourselves not taking in the living water, but rather our garden of our heart and our soul will become dry and barren, not producing any fruit. The rivers that God put in the original Eden had special meanings. And I've been studying these rivers because <laughs> I was like, whoa, there's four rivers. That's random. Like the Bible doesn't tell you these specifics just because. There's reasons. Does that make sense? So I'm like, what are these four rivers? Why are they there? And, and such like that. So I started studying and I found out this, that all four rivers have meaning and all four of those meanings can be found in Jesus, who is the living water. And so I want to talk about today about just one of the rivers, the Pishan River, the first one. Do you know that the original language, the name of the Pishan River means this, increase. That God actually put a river in Eden called increase. Another translation of the word means this, to make fat. That's what it really means. So, so here's the thing. That before sin and before stress and before all of the craziness of life happened, before that was ushered into the world because of sin, guess what? God had a river in paradise called increase. Increase. And I started to think about this. I thought, God is really a God of increase. My best ideas come from when I am not distracted, but rather when I am in a place of perfect communion with God, a place of relationship with God and stillness, guess what? I began to see increase in my life. My best solutions to problems come when I'm still, not when I'm stressed. My best seasons of life, where God has created increase in my life, in my, my own personal relationship with him, as a person, as a spouse, as a dad, as a leader, all of those times of increase have come when I have purposely hit the do not disturb button on my life. And I've been in the presence of God, and I've been reading his word, and I've been in prayer, and I've been listening, brainstorming. I've had time to think. How many of you realize sometimes life is so busy you don't even have time to think, right? See, God wants to give us increase, but that will only come if we strategically disconnect on a repetitive basis. I know some of you right now are facing a lot of crazy, crazy things. You may be facing problems. You might be facing stress um, at work, at home, in, in your marriage, um, maybe in a business, if you run a business. Maybe, maybe you're, you're facing these things, and, and you feel actually limited. You feel limited in your marriage. You feel limited in your, in your business, in your career. You're, you're experiencing limits in your finances or even in your parenting. Well, I want to tell you today, by the end of the day, I want you to be convinced that God wants to give you in, increase in all these areas that you, you feel limitation. But before you increase, 
on the outside of your life, before you see it on the outside of your life, you must first see increase on the inside. It's so important. You got to see it in here before you realize it out here. And the only way to do that is to stop the crazy and to get alone with God and listen to him. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 4 about a widow who lost her husband. Um, and I'm going to bring this into modern day context. Uh, basically, her husband was a prophet. You could almost say that, that in nowadays that he would be called a pastor. And, and that there was this, this lead prophet by the name of Elisha, who you could almost say is like the senior pastor. And, and he has this team of pastors. Well, the widow's husband was on this team, and unfortunately he passed away. And it says this one day, the widow, a widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband, who served you, is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. In other words, he served God. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. See, back then in this day, in this era, if you owed money, let's say you owed uh, a mortgage on the house and you couldn't pay it, well, then the creditor would come and actually take your children as collateral and make them slaves. So that's what's happening here. And so Elisha basically asked, what can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Now listen to her response. Nothing at all all. Like literally, she, she feels like she has hit a lid, a ceiling. She has a limit. She, she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know how to pay her bills. She has come to the end of her rope. Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Well, actually, she did have something, but she only saw nothing. So she basically says to Elisha, I got nothing except for a little olive oil. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons. Now listen, and shut the door behind you. Remember that. Take what you have. Go borrow some jars Go into the house and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. This is, this is, this is a great story. There's so many truths in this story. You know? and, and what did the man of God say? The man of God said, hey, listen, what, what, this question, what is in your house? And she said, nothing at all. See, she didn't see increase. She only saw limitation. I got nothing. I got nothing. Here, so this is a problem a lot of times with many of us, that, that we go around and we're looking at our limited resource. We look at the, the limited solutions we have. We look at our limited abilities. We look at our limited ideas. And, and yet we say, you know, we're just walking around with just little, lack, limit, lid. It's all I got. It's all I have is this. And we look at other people and we're like going, well, look, at, they, got, they got way more than I do. They got way more oil. I got this much oil, they got that much oil. They, I mean, they have so much oil, and I only got this. We start comparing. We, we, we just don't see it, and so pretty soon, God comes to us and says, well, what do you have? And, and we answer him, and we're like, well, I got nothing. <laughs> That's what I have. 
I got nothing. And all we focus in is the, prom- the problems, the limitations, and the setbacks. Now, really, the widow had lost a lot. It is true. She had lost her husband. She had probably been working very hard to take care of her kids. She probably spent all of her savings. Um, she had exhausted all of her resources. She was tired. She was desperate. And she was scared. And I can't help but think that there's some of us in that same category. I mean, we, we have a mountain of problems in front of us. Maybe it's a mountain of bills. Maybe it's a mountain of issues. Maybe it's relational issues, marital issues, business issues, career issues, school issues, whatever it is. And we've exhausted all of our resources. And now we're just sitting there with our little and we're like tired. And we're fatigued. And the garden of our soul is pretty dry. And we look and we go, man, I got I got nothing. And sometimes we find ourselves in this place. We're not sure how we're going to get out of the financial crisis. We're not sure how the marriage is going to survive another year. Um, we can't see how the business is going to turn around in this economy and with the broken supply chain and, and, and the lack of, of workers, and we just don't know how it's going to make it. We, we, we've done everything we can to, to help our kid, but our kid is still flaking out. <laughs> We, we, we don't even know how we're going to finish school. Whatever it is, we look at what we have and we're like, it's just not enough. So what did the widow do? What did the widow do? Well, I'll tell you the first thing the widow did is she did the work. Turn to the person next to you and say, she did the work. She did the work. Now, now listen, I'm starting here because this is what she did. She listened to the prophet. The prophet said, go to the neighbors and friends and borrow some jars. Do you realize how humbling that must have been? To go knocking door after door. Hey, can I, can I borrow a jar? Why do you need a jar? I'm just collecting jars. In fact, you know what? If you could give me a jar or maybe all your jars, that would be great. And so she's going door to door, and she's having to humble herself, and she's having to go from place to place. She's not just sitting inside of her house in her lazy boy chair going, oh God, provide the jars. Instead, she's going out and she's collecting jars. And so many times we think, well, if I just pray or if I just say, God, help me, that he'll help, but this is what he wants us to do. We have to do the work. And what it teaches me is this, is that we have to do our part for God to do his part. You understand that? I mean, God answers our prayers many times four ways, all right? Not, he's not limited to this, but, you know, mostly four ways. He'll answer our praise, uh, prayers saying yes, or he'll answer no, or he'll answer wait, or he'll answer I will if you will. So this is the thing. Sometimes we have to go out and we actually have to do the work. It requires obedience. We have to prepare for God's blessing. If you're in a financial crisis right now, like right now you're, you're hitting a lid financially, it may require you to go out and get a resume and do the work and find a higher paying job. Or maybe it will require you to cut up the credit cards and not foolishly spend, or maybe it will require you to humble yourself and go to someone who does know how to manage finances and say, will you help me 
Maybe it means getting involved in a life group around here that helps you to do finances. Like we have life groups that have all kinds of different topics, and we have life groups that, you know, talk about how to manage finances. So, you know, you'd be joining a life group and learning how to do that. Maybe it means also that you got to be a good steward with what you have and that you have to give God back a little bit like he commands rather than trying to live off of 100% of it, which ain't making it. You give, a, Lord, a little bit of it back like he says, which takes faith. See, you got to do your part. God can't bless what you haven't made him Lord of. So this is the thing. You got to give him back some. You, you have to do it his way. See, maybe you're hitting a marriage lid right now. Maybe the marriage lid requires that you go to counseling. I know some of you are like going, I'm not going to go to counseling. Only weak people go to counseling. How bad do you want your marriage to work? How bad do you want it to work? It means that you got to humble yourself, you and your spouse, and you carve out time in your busy schedule, and you actually have to sometimes pay for it, and you have to go to counseling, but it will help you. Maybe it requires changing your life habits. Maybe you and your spouse are working your brains out, and you're working 70 hours a week. You don't see each other. May means that you, that you lower your standard of living a little bit, which means that you make a little bit less money so that you could actually spend time together to work on the thing that is going to outlive your career, which is your marriage. Does that make sense? Maybe it requires forgiveness. I don't want to do that. Uh, Forgiveness is work. It's a lot of work. (laughs) It's a lot of work. I mean, I'm telling you, forgiveness is not easy, and it requires work. But again, she did the work. She did the work. If you're a business leader and you're going, I've hit a lid, maybe it requires a a restructuring of the budget. Maybe it requires tough personnel decisions. Maybe it requires you got to look at whatever you're selling and you need to come up with a new plan because the way you sold the widget pre-COVID is not going to be the way that you sell the widget post-COVID. Some of you are rebuilding the business again. I mean, I, I felt that in, in my own life. I mean, I felt like with, with the church. I mean, in 2007, I took over, and, and you know what? There were just a f- hundreds of people, a few hundreds of people that were a part of this church in this big old room that sat thousands. And, and I remember having to build it with God's help. Obviously, he's the one that builds the church, but I had to make the right decisions. I had to do the work. And then all of a sudden, we started to really go, go, go. It's thriving. And then COVID. And guess what we're doing again? building the church. It's like I'm going back to 2007. I'm becoming a 37-year-old again, and I'm working longer hours, and I'm praying much more, and I'm doing all these things because I got to go back. The way that God built the church is the way that he will rebuild the church. The way that God built your business is the way that he will rebuild the business. I know some of you are going, man, I'm well past those years of where I was in the grind. Well, maybe not, baby. (laughs) You might be back at it again, right? It's the work. You got to do your part. Second thing, what does she do? She strategically disconnected. What did the prophets say? Go get the jars, then go into your house and shut the door. Put on the do not disturb sign on, outside of that door. What does that mean for us? It means this, that as we do the work, we also need to strategically disconnect and get alone with Jesus because here's the thing. He is the best counselor for you. He's the best counselor for your marriage, for your finances, for your business, 
for your life, for your health. He is the best counselor. He's the one that created you. So you got to create space to think and to pray, to listen, to brainstorm, and to be refreshed for the battle, right? He's the one that can teach you best how to parent. Like, like I'm telling you, there's so much wisdom that can come from the Word of God and from listening to the Holy Spirit and most of us are too busy trying to solve the problems of life that we don't take time to be able to consult God who could really teach us how to overcome the problems of our life, right? Reminds me of a story of two lumberjacks. And uh, both lumberjacks would get up at the same time and start work at the same time, start cutting down trees, swinging the axe. And they would both end their work day at the same time. So they, they worked basically the same time from start to finish. But halfway through the day, one lumberjack would disappear and go MIA for an hour. Like, you just disappear. And, and yet, at the end of the day, that lumberjack that disappeared for an hour was actually cutting down more trees. Well, this frustrated the other one. The other lumberjack finally approached his friend and said, Hey, I don't get it. We start at the same time every day. We end at the same time every day. You disappear for an hour, and yet you cut down more trees. Where do you go? What is happening here? And the other lumberjack said, well, it's simple. I go home for an hour every day, and I sharpen my axe. So at the second half of the day, I'm more productive. There's a principle there. See, some of us are swinging, 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 swinging at the problems. We never stop to sharpen our axe. We never get alone with God to create stillness, to hear from him, to be refreshed. And so we're just swinging, 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 and all the time, our axe is getting more dull and dull and dull. And here's the thing, we're getting frustrated because we're falling behind and we're tired and we're exhausted and we're working hard. But in the process, our souls are becoming dull. Does that make sense? I'm convinced that the miracle in this story would have not happened if she didn't first go get the jars and then get alone with God and allow him to do the miracle. Do the work, but then put up the do not disturb sign and allow God to do the miracle. You see, before you see the increase in your life, you must see the increase on the inside in your heart. And there's no way to see the increase in your marriage or in your finances or business or your relationships until you strategically disconnect on a daily basis and sit still before your creator. Here, here's a newsflash. The world, your family, your business, your relationships, your schooling, it will still be there on the other side of your strategic time of disconnectedness. Sometimes I think we believe that if we were to leave this little gadget someplace for an hour and be apart from it, that the entire world is gonna collapse. That's not true. Because for thousands of years, it didn't before we had one of these things. See, we were like, oh, I can't. I might get an important text. I, I, might, I might get an important email. I might, I might miss out on what so-and-so is doing on TikTok. I mean, whatever. And at the end of the day, what did she do? She did the work, and she shut the door. Do the work, and shut the door. Do the work, and shut the door. In fact, can we all say it together? Do the work, and shut the door. One more time. Do the work, and shut the door. Soon, the Bible says, 
that every container was filled to the brim. Now listen to this. This is so important. I'm going to end with this. Bring me another jar, she said to her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When did the olive oil stop flowing? When she had no more containers to put it in. Okay, 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 okay. It means this. She determined how much oil she would have. <laughs> if she only had one jar, God would have given her only one container. She went out and got three jars, and God gave her three containers. She went out and got five jars, and God filled up five containers. I believe if she would have went out and gotten a thousand jars, that God would have filled up a thousand containers. This is what it tells me. You and I are the lid. We're the lid. Like, like when we walk around and say, God only gave me this much. I only have this much talent. I only have this much finance. I only have this much opportunity. I only have this kind of a marriage. We are creating the lid. We're creating the size of the container that God can bless. And if we instead say, God, when I get alone with you and I put up the do not disturb sign and I get alone and my faith builds and I read your word and I listen to your Holy Spirit, guess what? I start to see more containers for my marriage. I start to see more containers for my finance. I start to see more containers for my business. I start to see more containers for my future. And God begins to fill them up. What did the prophet say? The prophet said, borrow as many empty jars as you can. Why? Because he knew this. The limit was not God. The limit was how many containers she could find. So therefore, it's God's job to do the miracle. It's your job to create space for increase in your heart to say by faith, I see it before I see it. I see it before I see it. Many years ago, I referenced when I took over in 2007, there were just hundreds of people in the room and a room that sat thousands. And at that point, it even sat more than what it does now. We actually refurbished the room in 2014 and made the room smaller. Used to, you know, theory was that it would seat 5,000, like literally at one point. And, um, and so I remember standing up on this stage and I remember looking at pink pews and bird, burgundy carpet. That's literally what this place was full of. Pink pews and burgundy carpet, which was, you know, in in the 80s when it was built, all right? But not so in in 2007. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember standing up on the stage and seeing this vastly empty room. Like it was empty. And I remember standing up here and going, I see a day that God is going to fill this room multiple times every weekend. I would preach that. And you know what I would get from the crowd? I would get a golf clap. Because this is what they were doing. Like they didn't see it. Because there were only a few people. It's like, it was like a few BBs rattling around in a tin can. I mean, like literally, it was like empty. And I'd stand up here and I'd go, I see it. I see a day it's going to be full multiple 
times every weekend. And I would say it because I saw it. Where did I see it? I saw it on the other side of the closed door with the do not disturb sign on the door when I was with God and he was like, listen, Jeremy, do you see a one container church? Do you see a three container church? Do you see a five container church? Do you see a 5,000 container church? What's the church that you see? Because I will fill it. I will fill it. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? I will fill it. It's the same way with your marriage, with your family, with your kids, with your businesses. What do you see? Do you see a one jar kind of church or marriage? Do you see a three jar marriage? Do you see a five jar marriage? Do you see a 5,000 jar marriage? What do you see? I'll fill it. I'll fill it, but you gotta see it in here. You gotta see it in here. You gotta see it in here before you see it out here. Today, I want you to know that God is a God of increase. He named a river that in Eden before sin polluted everything we see. He's like, I'm a God of increase. I'm a God of increase. So today, I wanna pray for you as we close. I wanna pray that you'll see increase in your marriage, in your finances, you see it in your school. I mean, there's a bunch of youth here. Why can't revival happen at your school? Why? Well, because, you know, separation of church and state, and there's all this kind of, no, no. Why? Why can't revival happen at your school? Why can't revival happen in your neighborhood? What do you see? Is it a one-jar neighborhood or a five-jar neighborhood or a 5,000-jar neighborhood? See, the olive oil stopped once the containers were full, and they couldn't find any more. So I'm going to call for us to dig deep and find some containers. What are you believing for? Do the work. <laughs> collect the jars. Do the work. But then put on the do not disturb. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that you'd help us to see it. God, there are people that are listening right now. Their marriage, they feel like it's done. Their career, they feel like is dead-ended. They feel like their, their schooling is too overwhelming. Their, their finances are too broken. Whatever it is, they feel like they've hit a lid. God, I pray, I pray that today that they would see you as the God of increase. And yes, they would do the work like the widow did. But on top of that, they would take strategic times of disconnectedness and they would spend time with you and you would show them a larger container and many more containers and many more jars regarding that marriage, that business, that career, whatever it is. And Lord, I pray that they would see it inside of their hearts before they would see it in their lives. God, give them faith to believe it. You are the God of endless resource, of endless oil. So God, help us to see it. But we got to take the time to do it. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Can we do that?